Welcome to Biblical Perspectives on Aging, the podcast where you and your church will find answers to the difficult questions that arise as we grow older. On behalf of the Baptist Home, this is your host, Dr. Andy Brames. Welcome to Biblical Perspectives on Aging. This week, we continue our interview with Dr. Rodney Harrison as he continues to share his reflections on his first year as president of the Baptist Home and looks to the future as well. If you missed last week's episode, we encourage you to listen to part one of this episode where Dr. Harrison shared about his personal background and specifically his first year as president of the Baptist Home. And don't forget to click subscribe to hear more great conversations on applying biblical perspectives to aging issues. Here's the rest of the interview with Dr. Rodney Harrison. Thank you for that answer there. So you, you've talked a little bit about continuing to adv- uh, advocate in various ways. You've talked about the change in the mission and, and your values and bringing clarity to all of that. What, what's next for the Baptist Home? I mean, it's it's been a, a, a big first year, COVID, your first year presidency, but I, I know you have a vision for where you would like to take the ministry of the Baptist Home. What, what do you see as next for the Baptist Home? Okay. Well, some of them are going to be small changes and some of them could be uh, more significant. You know, one thing that has not changed is our scriptural foundations. In fact, we are redoubling. We're doubling down, I would say, on our scriptural foundations because we want to be a biblically informed ministry. We want to hire uh, healthcare workers that, that have a biblical worldview. And, you know, I think of our, our guiding uh, foundational scripture verse from Psalm 71 where the psalmist says, don't discard me in my old age, and as my strength fails, do not abandon me. That passage reminds me of some of the fears that people have as we grow older, and we want to provide education and advocacy so that when we do find, or if we get to that point where we may find that uh, our strength is failing, that uh, we are starting to feel, as the psalmist said, old, that the old age is capturing the best of us, so that, that we are not, not only are we not sensed uh, or feeling like we've been abandoned, but that we also understand that we still have great purpose, that we are created in God's image, and uh, that God will not ever abandon us. I'll give a quick illustration of that, and then I'll kind of dovetail that into where we're going. On one of our campuses recently, this is during the kind of the peak of the coronavirus, we had a worker, an outside worker, a physical therapist who came in and was doing therapy on one of our residents. And really, as was very typical of almost all conversations at that time, our resident said, you know, well, what do you think about this coronavirus? And she said, it scares me to death. And as he started to ask more questions, she said, you know, I'm so fearful that I might come into a facility or a hospital and contract the virus and then take it home to my children. I mean, what would happen if I were to die and my children would be left orphans? She was really moved that this is a scary virus and that, you know, she could potentially bring it home. And so obviously this fear was one that had gripped her. And so uh, our resident, who happened to be a, a retired pastor, started sharing how she could have confidence and faith and assurance in Jesus Christ. And she was listening very intently. And so he started to share the gospel and he started to share, you know, the gospel using an approach called the Romans road, 
where you start with Romans 3.23, talking about the fact that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Well, the problem is because of his aging process, because he has a little bit of dementia, he couldn't remember the verses. Hmm. And that's where our campus pastor came in. And just seamlessly, he was able to just kind of walk beside him and help through this process of uh, what the scriptures say. And as they went through the scriptures with tears in her eyes, her and one other caregiver <laughs> trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior there in that nursing home. Mm. And this really speaks to the value of, of ongoing discipleship. So one of the things that we're going to be doing and one of our newest initiatives is going to be, especially in these post-COVID days, um, really looking at what do we uh, provide that separates us from other healthcare facilities. And part of it is the fact that we have full-time campus pastors and chaplains on our, our campuses. You know, their primary service is to be that conduit between our residents and their home sending church. You know, think about going into a long-term care facility. Many of our elderly can't get to church anymore. And many of our residents tell us that in the years prior to coming to the Baptist home, they were not able to be in church like they would love and, and as they were used to growing up. And, you know, many of our elderly don't want to depend on others to, for transportation. Uh, you know, they have that independence. And suddenly they come to the Baptist home and now they have weekly Bible study. They have weekly chapel services on Sundays and they're, they're able to be engaged again. And so we are wanting to really make chapel a central part, in fact, a, a integral part of every aspect of our weekly routine at each one of our campuses. So I think we're going to be seeing some um, really enhancements and some intentionality in how we will make the chapel experience um, one that really the, the calendar, you might say, centers around. Because as people of faith, our expressions of being with one another in the body of Christ and being with other believers is central to our uh, spiritual health. So we want to uh, see that happen. Uh, I already mentioned that we are looking at uh, expanding into uh, maybe more outward reaching ministries. So we're exploring hospice and home health. Uh, I would envision hospice may be the first of those initiatives that we would launch. It's too early to say that we're going to be doing that. The board has given us uh, the approval to do what we call a pro forma. So we are in active conversations with the accreditors, with the state, with the CMS on uh, that process of getting approved. But we could easily envision maybe a year from now having hospices in the, uh, the four corners of the state and being able to begin that process of providing that care at probably one of the most critical waypoints of life. Hmm. You know, it's not unusual to have a hospice chaplain, but I know for our Missouri Baptists, especially, I think they would feel comfortable having a Baptist chaplain, someone, a nurse who, who understands a biblical worldview, you know, rather than a, a chaplain who could be, you know, uh, it could be Latter-day Saint, or they could be of a faith tradition that is very different. And so we want to be able to provide that for our Missouri Baptists. We're also looking at other opportunities to expand. We would love to see the Baptist Home have a presence in our two major metroplexes, which would be Kansas City and the St. Louis area. Uh, so we're praying through that process. Uh, we're blessed to be in the Springfield Metroplex, which is the third largest in the state. But, you know, it's interesting that we've, we've really focused on rural contexts. 
And even today, um, we find that the majority of Missouri Baptists are in the Kansas City Metroplex and the St. Louis Metroplex. So we're, we're exploring and praying through some of those opportunities as well. You mentioned scripture uh, a few moments ago and Psalm 71 being a, a baseline uh, for the ministry. Are there any other scriptures that you would point to, Dr. Harrison, that, that uh, help to calculate and to drive the mission of the Baptist home? You know, one that really speaks to my heart is 2 Corinthians 4.16. Paul is writing to the church, and, you know, at this point, Paul is, Paul is just kind of laying it out to the Corinthians. This is his second recorded letter. <clears throat> it may be his third formal correspondence with the church, but in this second recorded letter, he, he says, so we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Paul was very transparent. Look, I'm getting old and I'm starting to waste away. I'm, I'm getting weak. And obviously at the beginning, he, he's suggesting it would be very easy to lose heart, but he says we don't. Hmm. And so Second um, Corinthians speaks to me. Chapter four is a, an amazing chapter of transparency, but it is also speaking to the fact that this is a reality. We will all grow old. We will all begin to waste away. And oftentimes we just put off the planning for that. And so I think that speaks to our ministry of education and advocacy on behalf of the aging, because what we're doing is we're advocating for situations and conditions that may not be relevant to someone today or in 10 years or in 15 years, but 20 years from now, our education and advocacy efforts are going to be very relevant as they find themselves, as Paul found themselves, in a situation where we're starting to really recognize our physical is wasting away. And uh, how do we stay vibrant? How do we stay useful in God's eye? And how do we demonstrate the love and compassion of someone who's created in the image of God? You know, even if they don't have anything they can tangibly contribute. And I believe that there's a contribution, but sometimes we can't see that tangible contribution. Even though an individual may not be able to demonstrate that tangible contribution, they are of great worth and value, and it is our responsibility as, as Christians to minister unto them. And so 2 Corinthians uh, does speak to me, and I think that's just a great passage that reminds us that this aging process, unless the Lord calls us home early, is inevitable. Yes, very true. Very true. You've mentioned the idea of, of education as far as an advocacy a few times. Help us as, as a church leader or as someone who is listening to this as a part of the church, they may want to talk to a church leader and say, I heard this podcast, how to reach out to the Baptist home. How do I get in touch with someone to come to our church and to help educate us? What would you say to the average person or to a pastor in the local church about how to become educated in this process? Well, first of all, I would direct them to our website. Um, we have a resource link at the top of the page, um, which has some resources. At the bottom of the page, you'll find a directory of all of our staff, and at each one of our campuses, we have a campus pastor um, who is also available to be in the churches and to speak to churches. We have an advancement team which loves being in the churches and will come and meet with a group of two or three, or they'll meet with your whole congregation. 
we have quite a few resources, you know, and as I talk about maybe the resources, um, I think we, we have some that are on YouTube. Um, so we have a YouTube channel that, that has resources and, um, you know, in addition to this podcast being available through YouTube, uh, you can also access uh, articles about, you know, um, mom, you know, the plumber stole my remote. And, and this is based upon a scenario where someone would get a phone call from their, their elderly parent, their elderly mother. And, you know, she's going, come over that the plumber stole my remote and you're trying to talk to her. And pretty soon you, you get the scenario. Well, the plumber came out and after the plumber left, the remote control for the television sets missing. And so, you know, you talk to your mom for about 30 minutes on the phone. She's still agitated, um, convinced that the, the, the plumber took the remote and put it in his toolkit. So you finally find out who the plumber is. You call their, their main office. Uh, they, they assure you that he wouldn't have taken the remote, but they finally give you the plumber's cell phone number. You talk to the plumber. He said, no, absolutely. I didn't even see a remote. I didn't take the remote. Your mother's still very agitated. So you decide that you're going to drive all the way across town. You're going to go get the kids, put them in your car, drive across town. You talk to your mom and she is so agitated. The remote is missing. Finally, you decide, well, mom, can, can I get you a cup of iced tea? Can I get you a glass of iced tea? And you, you go to the refrigerator. And when you open up the refrigerator, there's the remote control. These are the stories of aging. These are the times that you begin to ask the question, what next? Maybe a few weeks later, you go back and visit your, your mother or your father, and you, you notice that their car has another new dent, another new scratch. You notice that the, the front of the garage, you can tell that the front wall has been hit several times. And you have these questions, where do I go? Who do I talk to? On our website, you will find the names and the phone numbers and the email addresses of our campus administrators and our campus pastors. They can walk you through those stories. We can help you understand and demystify the process. You know, many people don't understand the difference of the levels of care. For example, what's the difference between independent living and assisted living and intermediate care versus skilled care? And what is Alzheimer's care? What's a dementia unit? You know, what's interesting is many of those are really official sounding terms, but there's no legal definition of them. Others have very clear legal definitions, and yet uh, you could easily be upsold levels of care. You might be thinking, wow, this is really great. I think my mom has early onset Alzheimer's and we'll put her in an Alzheimer unit. What you don't realize is that you may be locking her away in a locked room and a locked facility that will have no contact with the outside. You need to be able to know what questions to ask. Mm. And whether or not you come to the Baptist home, our staff will help you navigate those questions. So I would, again, refer people to our website, thebaptisthome.org, one word, thebaptisthome.org, and just look at both the resource page, our YouTube links, and then at the bottom of the page, hit that directory of staff, and it, it will give you the contact information for each of our leaders, our administrators at each campus. Dr. Harrison, you've just shown that the Baptist home is more than just a care facility. It is a ministry, uh, as you just said, not just for the, the people you are serving 
within the homes, but to help others uh, prepare for this as well. So uh, as we close today, obviously you've shared some thoughts about the future, some challenges you're still facing. What are some ideas for prayer that those listening to this podcast, that, that you might direct them in their prayer lives if, if you had the opportunity to suggest some prayers on behalf of the Baptist home? Okay, well, first of all, please pray that we will have wisdom and discernment from our Lord Jesus Christ as we make decisions. We are facing many decisions that will impact the future, and we want to make those prayerfully and with great wisdom. And so uh, we would always appreciate that uh, you pray that our leadership with team would have great wisdom. Uh, secondly, uh, let me encourage you to pray for um, the continued protection of our residents. Uh, we're pretty much through with the second round of the vaccinations on our campus at the time of this uh, recordings posting. Uh, the second rounds will be all finished. But, you know, there are still um, right now about 90% uh, of the time at the time of this uh, podcast of Missourians who have not been vaccinated. And that really is the path forward to being able to return our long-term care facilities to a semblance of normalcy. You know, for over a year, churches have not been able to visit in nursing homes. They've not been able to, we haven't been able to visit our moms and our dads. Um, we have residents who haven't had physical contact with their family for well over a year. You know, think about all of the, the holidays and the special events in a person's life that have been done in isolation and taken place in isolation you know, going all the way back to, uh, to Easter last year, you know, 4th of July, birthdays, uh, the various Memorial and Labor Day, then moving to Thanksgiving and Christmas, uh, and now Valentine's Day is coming up. And, and all of those have been in isolation. So one of my prayer requests is that we will see Missouri Baptists say, you know what, we're, we're going to get vaccinated. Um, getting vaccinated is really a for-life decision. And it is giving life to our residents and to those who might be in other care facilities. Um, myself, uh, we've had grandchildren uh, born under the coronavirus, and it's just so odd not being able to be there at the hospital and to celebrate with family and friends. And so uh, I would pray that, uh, you know, we would, as the church, uh, be advocates of this vaccination process, um, because until we really are able to get um, a significant number, about 70% of the population vaccinated, this, uh, this virus will still continue to be nipping at our heels. And then finally, uh, continue to pray for, um, for our residents. Um, that right there would be the one prayer I'd like to leave you with. Uh, we have residents who, um, one of them turned 100 years old during the coronavirus uh, epidemic. And three days before her birthday, she was uh, tested positive. The good news is she she did great. She came through it just great. But you know there are others uh, there are other stories as we all know that didn't turn out as well. And so people are grieving and they're hurting and they're lonely. Um, pray for our residents. Um, they are men and women of great worth and value, and. I think when the churches were able to be there every week, family was with them. Um, that was that was a part of just the natural expression of how we pray for one another. And so many of them have not been able to pray physically with a family member 
in, in almost a year. And uh, so let's us stand in the gap on their behalf and pray for our residents. Yeah, very, very good. Thank you. Well, thank you again for your time, Dr. Harrison, and for sharing from from the top, a message from the top, so to speak. And I'm sure somewhere down the road, uh, you know, a year from now or something, we might look back on your second anniversary uh, with the Baptist Home and, and get an update from you at that point. But again, thank you on behalf of the listeners and uh, myself as host uh, on behalf of Biblical Perspectives on Aging for sharing your insights with us today. Thank you very much, Andy. God bless. God bless. Thank you for joining us for this interview today. The Baptist Home has provided Christ-like care to the aging since 1913. To learn more about the biblically informed resources and solutions provided by the Baptist Home, go to www.thebaptisthome, that's all one word, .org. Again, www.thebaptisthome.org. You will find links to previous podcasts, a growing number of church resources, and detailed information about residential and long-term care communities. Until next time, this is your host, Dr. Andy Brams, asking you to be a voice for the aging.